Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Just a quick reminder that, you know, this podcast, while it is definitely pro-man, I've had some great women reach out recently and say how much they've enjoyed this podcast. Sounds like they've been listening to it with their husbands. So welcome, ladies. Uh, guys, don't forget to man it forward, share this podcast uh, and some of our some of your favorite podcast episodes with your friends. And, uh, and don't forget to head on over to the Man Talks community page, uh, which is on Facebook. You can just search for it on Facebook, Man Talks community, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash man talks dash community uh we've got a little over three thousand men that are in there now and uh we have some great conversations uh some challenges and we really dive into some hot topics like fatherhood we talk about fitness and finances you name it we go into it and there's some some really solid dialogue in there so i hope that you tune in uh and joining me today let's talk about our guest a little bit uh joining me today is Jarek robbins and yes, that is Tony Robbins' son. So Jarek started his career in 2002 with the Anthony Robbins Foundation, uh, where he actually worked for a couple of years. And while attending the University of San Diego, he actually spent three months living in a rural farming village as a volunteer teaching organic farming in Uganda through the organization Students Partnership Worldwide. So we actually talk a little bit about that at the beginning of the interview because he shares some, some really great stories. Uh, he was a board member for the nonprofit organization Just Like My Child, which also does education and health projects in Uganda. And he later became a results coach at Robbins Research International. And from 2006 to 2008, he served as a representative at that organization. So years later, you know, today you can be found traveling the world as a in-demand keynote speaker. And uh, he actually founded the Jarek Robbins Companies in 2010 and later started Rapid Results Retreat in 2011. He is also the host to a weekly YouTube segment called JRC TV uh, and a regular contributor to the Huffington Post blog. Uh, he's done a TEDx talk in 2013 titled A Simple Formula to Inspire the World to Live Their Dreams right here in New York City. Uh, and yes, I'm in New York City this week. And uh, in 2014, he wrote a book, a best-selling book titled Live It, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose. So today, that's that's a little bit about what we're actually going to dive into. We're going to talk about purpose. And Jarek actually has some some really interesting and, and unique perspectives on it. Uh, he sh- shares some incredible stories from his time traveling in Uganda and dives into not only how we can start to look at purpose differently, um, but how we can start to put a little bit of pressure on ourselves to actually find it, how we can start to define it, and how we can start to live it each and every single day. And then towards the end of the podcast, we actually talk about high performance. And one of the questions that I had burning in my brain was how do we find consistency? I like to consider myself a high performer. You know, I maybe I think I'm a high performer. But one of the things that I struggle with, which is something that I think uh, you know, maybe many of you struggle with because I hear this constantly at events that I speak at when people reach out, is how do I find consistency? How do I how do I consistently perform at my best in work, in my relationship, as a parent, with my friends, just in my day-to-day life? How do I perform at my best? And so Jarek uh, sends some, some pretty specific advice, advice and insight. I just combined the words there for some reason. Uh, but he shares some pretty specific advice and insight into how we can maintain consistency. I really love his perspective on this. So Without any further ado, I would love to welcome, and I'm happy to welcome, Mr. Jarek Robbins. Of course. Thanks for having me, and thanks for everyone taking time to, to listen in. Awesome. So I wanted to start off this interview the same way I started off the rest of them, which is tell us a, a story about a defining moment that made you who you are today. Oh, man, so many. I think I'll, I'll go back to one that, that really shaped the different perspective, and it was Semester at Sea. It was a, a college program, university program, where you take and you spend 110 days on a cruise ship with all your teachers on board, you know, 700 plus students on board. And you literally in 110 days do 10 different countries as your study abroad. And you get anywhere between seven to 10 countries, seven to 10 days in each country. And, and that trip itself took me as a young man who was raised in Southern California 
and, and it took me around the world and helped me to understand and experience firsthand what the world is really like in so many different ways. And so on board, I was studying cross-cultural psychology and personality development, all different other, you know, psych classes. And every time we learned about something, it was the most amazing experience in the world because we got to then take this concept of a collectivist culture of how people do certain things and then walk into China and see it firsthand and be like, wow, it really is like that around here. That's interesting. And then study the concept of what causes people to act that way or think that way or, or, or live that way and see it real time and firsthand and watch it unfold. And, and I realized a couple things. One, around the world, we're so different. So, so different. Every little nook and village and cranny and city and, and, you know, type and community. There's so many things that make it so diverse and beautiful around the world. And no matter how diverse it is, you know, the, the skyscrapers in Hong Kong and, and Vietnam now is booming, but back then it was rubble. And, and, and getting to watch people who find joy and, and live just truly fulfilled lives in such a humble way around the world. You know, in India, where you see people who, eat, sleep, poop, pee, live right in the same spot. And you're like, wow. And then it's not just a couple like you might experience in different places around the United States or, or, or other countries, but literally you see thousands and thousands of people in all directions in the same situation and you kind of scratch your head. And then two seconds later, you see some you know family in a Rolls Royce cruise by and you just look at you like, wow, how did that happen? Or in South Africa, I remember being brought into a room and it was considered a family room and it was no bigger than a, a dorm room. For, for a college student. And I remember seeing a single bed that most people have on their own. And that was considered a family bed where, you know, a, a mom, dad, and, and three siblings live at one bed. And it was like, wow. And, and the dynamic of seeing how the world really is really, truly was a life-changing moment for me because it just allowed me to do two things. One, really be grateful for, for the, the, the blessings of, of having the life that I had had thus far of, you know, growing up with a mom who worked a hell of a lot just to make sure that we had opportunities and she'd not only work her main job, but her side jobs on the weekend just to give us extra spending money to do what we wanted. Uh, to have a dad who was out on the road working 24 seven, trying to do good in the world and create, you know, abundance for his family and, and have grandparents who are working, working, working. But to look at that, and even though it was so, you know, considered hard work all those years and they were really going at it to realize how much of a blessing it was to even have that opportunity. And, and that moment of just looking at everything and going, wow, it's really good in some places. And knock on wood, I, I happen to be born into one of those places in Southern California. And, you know, that's just a birth lottery. But, but to have that realization at that age and stage of life what was truly a game changer. And it led to me actually going and moving back to East Africa and living in a rural farming village or teaching organic farming for an additional three months afterwards, which again was, was a life-changing moment in itself. Yeah, that's, that's incredible, man. I, I think, uh, you know, having those opportunities is, is really inspiring, but also just gives us this incredible perspective. You know, I got to travel around China. I was formerly an opera singer. And so I got to like go and sing in Europe and in China and, and down in the United States quite a bit. And, you know, you, you sort of start to see how other people live and how different cultures live and how different family systems are, are brought up. And so I also see this big movement now of, people trying to use world traveling as like a ticket or a solution to all of their problems. Uh, do you have any thoughts or insight on that? It's fascinating. So world traveling is not the solution, but world traveling is a beautiful, beautiful eye opener and soul opener to, to what's real. And I think part of the solution is you think you have problems, you're working your job, you know, you're climbing a corporate ladder, you're trying to build a career or family. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you pull a eat, pray, love move. You go to Bali for three weeks and dance in, in the rain and do whatever, you know, hang out in the rice fields. And all of a sudden you feel better about your life because of the contrast. Uh, I think something else was very special happens is you meet people who show you what it is to just find joy in simple moments. Um, the truth is those people are all around us all the time. But for some people, it takes changing the environment, the speed of life, the situation, the, you know, it takes changing all the factors to finally be able to see that person. Because I'll give you a challenge. If you're listening to this and you're stressed out or overwhelmed, you don't need to take a trip to Bali or Indonesia or Central and South America or go hike Machu Picchu. All those things are beautiful and wonderful and, and immaculate life experiences. 
But if you just go to your local homeless shelter and spend time pouring love, like stand in line, be the person serving food and treat them like they're at the freaking four seasons. When they come in, hi, Mr. So-and-so, welcome. Come on in. Would you like a full cup of oatmeal today? Not half cup? No problem. We've got that right for you, sir. Treat them like they're at the four seasons and, and really love on these people and just connect with someone who's in a different moment of their life. You know, you might be at a, a high point where you're struggling to climb that ladder or, or building your business or, you know, peaking your career and say, um, but, but go spend time with someone who's at a different point of their life and it'll give you perspective. The other place you could go, which is also beautiful, go to a cancer ward in a, in a hospital and chat with people who are being faced with death, you know, or, or go to an old folks home and chat with people who, who have lots and lots and lots of life experience. Mm-hmm. And, and talk to them, get to know them, get into their world and, and understand what it is, you know, to have regret, to, to meet a man or woman who, who's in their 90s and has regret of that thing they wish they would have done with their life. Oof, nothing more painful than, than realizing that, you know, meet someone who's young, who might be 10 years old and, and they've been told they have a life ending disease that's going to somehow take them out in the next six months and talk to that person about what life is like at 10 years old when you only have six months left to live. Uh, you know, and go talk to someone in their 40s who might have been a stockbroker on Wall Street, got addicted to the wrong shit, and now is homeless. <laughs> be like, hey, what's that like? <laughs> and, and and as you start to get into other people's worlds, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll start to see the yeah. beauty of your own world. You'll start to see the beauty of life. And, 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 and it'll blow you away. One of my favorite things we've done recently is for our YouTube channel. We're always looking for things. And, and for a while, it was just a talking head. You know, me sharing some epiphany or insight or strategy or tool or something that we found useful. And they were useful. Lots of people wrote us back and said, thanks. And we decided to switch it up recently since we're here in San Diego for a few months, my wife and I. And so we, we have a friend who's a videographer come down and we sat on the boardwalk where lots of people are going by and we just flagged down random people, just waved at them and said, Hey, can I ask you a question? And we just asked them just simple questions and allowed them to share. And what's amazing is when we took time to just listen to the people around, we got some of the most profound life experiences you would ever imagine. I mean, if you, if you want to see some of the videos, if you just go to jrctv.com, it'll take you to our YouTube channel. Look at the video titled Starting Over. And, and you just hear stuff of people who were fired from a job recently, people who you know left the job because they were asked to commit you know, a crime or asked to lie about something. So they quit, <laughs> uh, you know, people who a relationship ended or, you know, you know, life just started over for them. And, and what's interesting is you hear their stories. You would have never guessed what was about to come out of that person's, but by getting into their world, by experiencing a little bit of their world, it literally brightens your own and it illuminates the beauty, but it also illuminates, you know, the possibility as well. Mm, yeah, I, I love that, man. Like, it's, it's so interesting. It's and it's so timely too. Like last week, I came out of a dinner and was walking back to my car, and this, you know, this guy walked up to me and he's like, "Hey, I'm not going to ask you for for change, but can you just buy me some food?" And he was homeless, and you know, it was like eleven o'clock at night. I was pretty tired. I had to be up early the next morning. I was like, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. And so I said, you know, instead of just going into like a, a store and buying you something, let's let's go sit down and have a meal. And we we walked together. His name was Shane. And he had come from like Eastern Canada. He told me his whole story. And I really got present to the the sort of the the type of life that this guy had, had gone through. And it put things into perspective for not only myself, but it really got me the opportunity to to just connect with somebody and just like treat them like a human being. It was the exact same thing. I treated him just like one of my friends, just like, you know, I'm talking to you right now. And at the end of the dinner, at the end of the conversation, he was like, hey, thanks so much for the food. And more importantly, thanks for just treating me like a guy. And, and I was like, yeah, of course, man. And so, you know, I think that those those experiences are, are so, you know, so changing. And so on that topic, who is somebody who has shifted your perspective through your journeys? It sounds like you've met some some really incredible people. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to, to hear a little bit more about your experiences, whether it's in Uganda or, or wherever else it was. Who was somebody that you met that really shifted your view? So many. Um, there was a series of people that that kind of hit me in different ways. In the Viliganda, I remember the, the doctor really changed my experience of life. He came out and I, I had contracted malaria. And, you know, when he told me, according to his estimates, I had six days left to live. It obviously changed my whole perspective on life because I was 20 years old, you know, on the other side of earth, nowhere near family or friends. Most people didn't speak English, sitting in a hospital by myself. 
And according to the doctor's calculations, there could possibly be six days left in my life. I was like, whoa, that, that's a game changer. <laughs> that causes you to rethink things. And and the, the beautiful thing that it brought up was the, the concept of there are no ordinary moments. There, there really are no ordinary moments in life. Every moment is truly a miracle in motion. But so often we treat those miracles as if they're ordinary. Mm. And it's like when you get told you have so many days left, the breath in your lungs becomes a special thing. The, the sights, the sounds, the touches, the feelings, the, the people, the, the connections, the relationships, all the little tiny, tiny stuff that we just pass by as ordinary every day become the most extraordinary moments. And, and so th- that first kind of person to cross paths with was that doctor and hearing those being faced with death. You know, having someone tell you the possibility of six days being the end of you as, as a physical entity on this planet causes you to rethink what ordinary really is. And, and so in that moment, it, it changed my whole perspective where I started looking around and realizing that the, the magic of every day, the, the beauty and the magnificence of a sunrise, of a, you know, a, a friendship, a smile, a, a just eat, eat, eating a donut. Like <laughs> so, so many things were really amazing at that moment. But it's so interesting that we forget those things. We don't think about that stuff. So busy doing thing after thing after thing. And I I was no different. You know, I was busy trying to get through school and then trying to graduate and then trying to start a business and then trying to get a job and trying to get a girlfriend and trying to travel and so busy trying to do, 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 that sometimes we forget to just be and experience really, truly, like I said, the miracles in motion of just general life around us, the things that, that really are miracles that we call general, we call ordinary, we call normal. And when you can find that space in those moments where you truly, truly appreciate the breath and the sight and the sound, it, it changes everything. You know, recently my mom just had a couple strokes and and went from being able to to walk and move a little to to not being able to even move her arm. And I remember I was on on she's in North Carolina, so I was on Skype with her chatting, and I was watching her try to, you know, pick up a spoon to even pick up the food on the plate to get it to her mouth. And it's like that weird thing where you see someone almost in a Parkinson's-like state where their hand is shaking and, and the, you know, the, the spoon is kind of like hitting the, hitting the dish in the background and they kind of almost scoop it up and then it falls off and they get frustrated. And watching someone that something that was ordinary three days ago is now, if they get it out, a, a beautiful blessing, you know, and it's like, wow. I took that for granted. Now I don't. Now it, now it really is cool when I can get my hand to pick up the food and get it to my mouth. Like that's a good day. <laughs> and, and so realizing, hopefully for people listening, it doesn't take that kind of accident, but I hate to say it for so, so many people, it really does. It takes something to smack them right in the face and cause them to wake the hell up and look at life and go, oh shit. And, 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 and realize the magic of the moment. But while I was there, there was one other person that, you know, really gave me a dynamic perspective shift. And, and while I was appreciating the sunrises every day, I made it a point to watch it come up every single day over the pineapple fields and in the little village of Kangalamira where I was there just outside of Jinja in Uganda. And every morning I watched the sunrise, it was spectacular, spectacular in, in, you know, a rural farming village, watching the sunrise over the pineapple fields with the, the orangish pinkish glow from the soil. It was, it was really beautiful. And every single morning there was this little man that would come out and sweep leaves and I just watched him because, you know, all he was doing was coming out of the little clinic about a hundred yards from my door and he'd walk down this path and he'd just take his sweet old time and like step, step, sweep, sweep, step, step, sweep, sweep, step, step, sweep, sweep. And then he'd get to the end of the main road. He kind of arches back, stretch a little, ah, look back at the path, look around, take a breath and then go at it again. Step, step, sweep, sweep, step, step, sweep, sweep, all the way back to the main porch and then he'd kind of stand on the porch of the clinic with a big old smile on his face. And I don't know if you've ever seen someone like this, but the, the smile on this man's face was just a smile of absolute and pure joy, like pure pride as a being, like someone who was proud and joyful of what he had just accomplished. Like, it, 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 I mean, in my perspective, growing up in the U.S., it looked like this guy just like built and sold the billion dollar company or something every morning. And you're looking at him, you're like, wow, look at this guy. Like, it looks like he just, you know, climbed Everest every day, just the look on his face. And, and so after like 
you know, a week went by, great, two weeks, who cares? About a month in, I was like, I got to talk to this guy. I got to see what what about this sweeping makes him so fucking happy. <laughs> I'm like, he's got a secret to life in there. I don't know what it is, but I want it. And so I just watched him. And eventually I found a friend. We went and interviewed him and just asked, like, why do you do what you do? And he said, oh, because I'm supposed to. And I was like, no, why? Like, what's the reason, the purpose, the meaning? And my friend laughed and asked him a different way. He didn't speak English, so she was translating. And then he, she asked a different way. And then he, he, he he got this huge smile on his face and he, he said something back to her and poor girl, I grabbed her arm. I was shaking. Her. I was like, what do you say? What do you say? <laughs> um, I don't think she'll translate for me ever again, but uh, she looked at me and she goes, you know, that was really beautiful. She said, he said, <laughs> the reason I sweep the leaves because I believe every human being, whether it's a small child about to enter this world or a sick or elderly person about to leave this world, I believe they deserve a clear path to do so. And I, I, I remember standing there and like my jaw must have hit the ground because I, I was just standing there thinking, wow, wow. A guy who seemingly does something so simplistic every day, sweeping leaves, yet has found a way to tie purpose and meaning to that simple process that allows him to feel deep, deep happiness, joy, and fulfillment from doing it each day. And I remember thinking, if I can learn how to do that in my life, I will have a really, really cool life. Because if I could learn to sweep the leaves or just learn how to sweep you know, the kitchen at home or do the dishes or, or sit and hang out with a friend or you know, simply fill out paperwork or make a phone call, or if I can learn how to take the simplest things and make them have deep meaning and purpose like that to bring genuine joy into my life. I said, wow, every day would be a miracle in motion. Every day, there would be no ordinary moments. Every day would be a great, great blessing and an opportunity to live life to the fullest. And, and so I kind of went on a quest to figure out how the hell do you do that in normal everyday life? Mm, I love that, man. I, I love that because it's, it's, it almost, it reminds me of almost like Eckhart Tolle. I can like almost hear his voice being like, your purpose in life is to be here now. I can't do his accent, obviously, but. Eckhart, <laughs> <laughs> that's us trying to be you, man. We got it. Yeah, we respect I know. it. <laughs> I, know, so funny. I hope he um, listens in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but like, you that's know. That's not my accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that really is, that really is it. You know, like if, if we can bring ourselves back to that present moment, I love how you, how you learned that. So it sounded like that kind of put you on this path that, that led you to wanting to discover like a sense of purpose in life, which, which is really what I think you, you wrote about in your book, Live It. So could you, could you unpack a little bit of that? Cause I think that so many people are looking for purpose. I know a lot of the guys that, tune into those podcasts and that join our mastermind groups and that are just a part of our community, they're starting to question like, how do I even find this elusive purpose thing and how do I start living it? And so maybe tell us a little bit about your journey to that and some of the lessons that you learned along the way. Sure. So there's a couple of things there. It changed things for me because when I was little, I grew up at a time where MTV music videos were hot getting ready for high school. And I remember watching Biggie Smalls mm -hmm. and P. Diddy drive, you know, a Mercedes SL 500 backwards while dancing on yachts, throwing money everywhere and driving Hummers with motorcycles chasing them and thinking, when I'm up, that's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> so to go from wanting the quote unquote dream of being a rapper in a gangster music video, I guess you could call it, uh, or wearing the, you know, the, the vinyl suits dancing in a wind tunnel with Mace and P. Diddy. Like I, I grew up watching those guys thinking, wow, that's cool. To all of a sudden being in a village, you know, learning that sweeping the floor could bring so much joy to your life when it's a dynamic perspective shift of, of what's really important. What, what, what's, what do you look for? What do you really want out of life? And, and the purpose piece, what happens is if I look at the journey I went through and you look at the general developmental stages that men go through, women go through, you know, other stages as well, but I'll start with men just for the, the sake of this conversation. If you look at men somewhere between like 13 to let's say 20, it, it's this stage where you're trying to just figure out what you're capable of. Like, can you do it? Can you climb the mountain? Can you build the business? Can you make a dollar? Can you job? Can you get a girl or a guy or whatever else you're looking for? Can you, like, is it possible? 
And so this big question at that stage of life, like, is it possible to do this? If you're looking for purpose and you're somewhere between, let's say, let's open it up a little, let's say 18 to 30 or or even 13 to 30, if you want to really widen it up. So young, all the way to 30 years old. If you're in that stage, if you want to define a purpose, the purpose is to see what's possible. And so if you're hunting for the purpose of your life, the thing that's worth investing your entire life into, you're only at the edge of that stage of life and you're transitioning into the next stage. And, and, and you know, that 30 to 55-year-old stage. And as this 30 to 55-year-old stage as a man, you search and hunt for the thing and see if these words ring true that's worth investing your life into. And as men, we take this shit seriously. Because you don't want to invest your life into the wrong fucking thing for 30 years. <laughs> like, so we take it seriously. We don't try things. We're finding the thing. Yeah. We do not sample. We don't try this, that, and try this. Um, we, we find it. And when we find the thing that's worth investing our life into, the next 15 years of our life looks like this. Work, 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 breathe. Work, 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 breathe. Work, 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 breathe. Now, in that time, if you're trying to have a relationship, more often than not, you will text or call or email the person in the little moment of breath. So like you work all week, it gets to Friday right around four o'clock and you come up for a breath and go, wow, it'd be nice to hang out with someone. So you text or call the person that you'd like to hang out with right then. You'll soon learn in relationships that doesn't work. <laughs> they would have rather you called on Thursday, you know, Tuesday and said, hey, would you like to hang out on Friday? <laughs> <laughs> and there's ass backwards relationship books that tell people, you know, specifically women and, and some men too, which is always be busy, make it look like your dance card is full. So if they call you at the last minute, tell them you're busy. That way you're more valuable in their eyes. It's complete horse shit. All it means is if you're trying to date someone who's in their thirties, who's work, 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 breathe, you're never <laughs> going to see them because they're when they come up for air and they ask you to hang out and you say busy, Great. They're going to go back to work, 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 breathe. And they'll ask you again. If you're always busy, you will never get to see this human. And, and so the concept of understanding that stage of life and, and really, truly, if you're looking for purpose at that stage, you're defining instead of what's possible, you're defining what's the empire you want to build. You know, what's the kingdom you want to create? What's the thing that you feel is worth investing your life into building or creating? Now, for some people, they look at that, you know, and they say, well, I want to have this kind of livelihood and make this kind of difference and live this kind of life and have kind of family. And in order for me to provide those things for them, I have to go accomplish the following list of activities, get the job, make the money, do the thing so that I'm capable of sharing this with the people in the future that eventually I will be ready to have a relationship with. And so for some people at this stage, just to, to spell it out, they feel that they have to build it first and then find someone to share it with. Now, for other people, they go into this stage and they say, hey, I want uh, this is worth investing my life into and I'm going to find someone to build it together with from the beginning. I'm going to find something that's worth investing my life into and invite someone on this journey so that we can build this life together from the start. And it's amazing. Now, now, just to speed up, and I'll come back to this stage because I'll, I'll show you how this affected me in different stages of this when it comes to purpose um, to answer your question. But the, the stage after this, I'll just touch on one more so you can see where it's going um, in, in case you're, you're towards the later part, is somewhere around 55 years old, 60 years old. We call it a midlife crisis here in the U.S., uh, but it, it's a, a reorganization of what really matters. And you see a man who hopefully has done what he believes he was here to do. He's built the empire of whatever that empire existed for him, whether it's the family, the, you know, the, the ability to travel, the building of a company, the, the getting the job or bonus or raise or title or position or leadership or whatever it was, they did it. And, and for about six weeks, that man's chest will be puffed up six inches higher than it's ever been. He will feel so damn proud of himself. And at the end of six weeks, for some reason, he'll take a little needle, he'll puff in the chest and deflate the entire thing by asking one question. And the question is, was it worth it? Did it even matter? What was the point of all that? And he'll go into the next stage called a tunnel where he questions everything and tries to define what is the one thing he believes his, what his life is about, the purpose. You know, what's the one thing? Now, when it comes to purpose at both stages, whether it's the elder stage 
where you're hitting that moment of this is the one thing I believe my life is about or the younger stage, you know, here's the things I believe my life is about. Now, the reason multiple things when let's say you're in your thirties, because you have multiple interests, you're interested in surfing and building a business and traveling and doing other things. If you've ever hung out at a, a family reunion and seen the older men, they're either number one, the life of the party, because the thing that they believe they're here to give, if you want to write something down for purpose, the thing they believe they're here to give is valued in this room or space. And if their gift is valued in this space, they feel alive because they can share their gift and they feel appreciated and seen for it. If their gift is not valued, it's not important, or even worse, it's criticized or ridiculed in this community, you will see that older man in the corner by himself saying nothing, sitting there hunched over the whole time because his gift is not valued in this community. As a younger man looking for your purpose in your 30s, early 20s, somewhere in that range, what you want to ask yourself is, what are the gifts I believe that I have to share with the people around me? What are your gifts? Are they humor? Joy, laughter, listening, creativity, determination, hunger, drive, passion, purpose. What are the emotional gifts you bring to this world? Is it logic, math, you know, accounting, <laughs> CFO? Like, what is it? What is it? Leadership skills, creativity. What are the gifts? Just a, a, a just relentless amount of heart and caring about people around you. What are the gifts? And there's many. So if you want to find that purpose, sit down and ask the question, what are the gifts that I believe I have to share with the world around me. What are all of them? As many as I can come up with. And over time, between 30 to 55, that list will be narrowed down to the gift that you believe you were put on this planet to share. But notice, it's from 30 to 55. That's, that's a good 20-something years of time that allows you to refine your list of here's the 10, 20 gifts I believe I have to the one thing I believe I'm here to share with earth or the people around me or life or animals or whatever you're here to share. But allow that 20-year period of time to be a refining process to take it from a handful of gifts to the one gift. And it will happen. If you're looking for a relationship during that time, make sure whoever you're getting in relationship with, friend, family, intimate relationship especially, make sure they value your gifts. Because the worst scenario happen is you get to 65 years old to find the one gift you believe you're here to share and be with someone who ridicules and gets annoyed when you share that gift. And the best thing that could happen, regardless of what they look like or any of the other details, but the most amazing thing that would happen is over time, they not only value all the gifts you have now to share, but they ultimately value the one gift you feel that is your life's purpose as you get older. And if they value and appreciate and love to receive or experience that gift from you or with you, it is an amazing blessing to yeah. have that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible, man. I think there's there's some really crucial points there. I mean, you know, being able to have your partner on board, that's where I hear a lot of a lot of people struggle where, you know, maybe they they found someone who doesn't necessarily align with what their greatest gift is and so they they feel uh repressed or sort of cornered. And I love the time frame that you mapped out there. You know, like it's such a great way of looking at it, you know, from the ages of 30 to 50 is where you're really going to hustle and you're really going to execute on that greatest gift that you have to offer. And that's not a lot of time. Like, you know, perceptually 20 years is not a lot of time. When I think back and look at the, you know, the first 20 years of my life and I'm on to the second 20 years of my life now. And, and it's, so it's so interesting to look at it from that, from that perspective, when we put a time frame on it and think, Oh yeah, I maybe I don't have time now that I'm, you know, 30 or 40 or 45 to just be jumping from career to career. Maybe it's time to actually figure out what the hell I'm actually here to do. So, <laughs> I love that. Um and then really quick before we move on to to something else, I just wanted to ask you about your thoughts on giving because it sounds like uh that's an important part of what you do. And do you see this fitting into people's purpose because you know, I see a lot of people trying to find their way with purpose and, and, and seeing that giving is really uh, not only beneficial, but emotionally connective for a lot of people. It's very fulfilling for a lot of people. How do you see giving fitting into purpose? Great question. And, and giving when around the concept of purpose, it, it's, it's the binding fabric of every relationship on this planet is giving. 
And if you, if you get it from the perspective of if you go to any relationship, a friendship, a business relationship, a partnership, an intimate relationship, if you go there, even a relationship with yourself, if you go there just trying to get something as simple as this sounds, whether it's love, affection, attention, appreciation, whatever, if that relationship ever runs low on whatever it is you're trying to get, you will have to go somewhere else to find it. So think of that through. If you, if you think that thought through real quick, you're going somewhere to try something. If it runs low, you have to now find it somewhere else. So you see people go to relationships to get affection, get a love, get attention, get connection, whatever it is. And eventually their spouse gets busy with the kids or, or they get busy with work or something else happens. And all of a sudden you find this person trying to find the thing that they came to the relationship for somewhere else. And whether it's through new hobbies they pick up or, you know, they're always with the boys or the girls or whatever they're doing, they're seeking to fulfill that gap they were looking to fill in the first place. Versus if you say, hey, I'm going to make it my sole mission to start to know how to fill myself up mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I want to be full as a human and I want to not only be full, I want to be overflowing with abundance in all these categories. And my sole purpose in every relationship is to go there to share the abundance of what I've created from within myself to share the love, the humor, the joy, the passion, the purpose, the possibility, the health, the abundance, anything that you've built in abundance from within every single day. And now if the relationship is ever running low on this, all it means is you need to dig inside and demand of yourself to bring more to the table, to give more, to share more of your heart, your soul, your passion, your purpose, or whatever it is that really you believe you're here to give. And when you come from that place, every relationship will be one of the most beautiful magnifications of life that you could ever have as long as you're there constantly giving. Now, over time, the question I always get is, well, what if the other person's just there to take and I'm giving, giving, giving? Well, I'll tell you this. If sharing your gift lights you up, that will never be a problem. <laughs> you will love the people who sit there receive and like to receive whatever gift you're sharing. You will feel like the most happy human on earth if you get to share your gift, your purpose, and this person is smiling going, wow, thank you. This is so great. And they appreciate it. Oh man, you will light up like a Christmas tree and your heart and soul will be on fire from the inside out. And, and so th there's no worry about that. Now, ideally, You'd also cross paths with someone who they have a gift they want to share that you value and appreciate just as much as they value and appreciate the gift you have to share. So when you look at giving, it's literally the fabric that brings together all beautiful relationships when done right. And and if you're looking for how to give or what to give, something you said earlier, before, I don't know if it got recorded or before we started chatting, is doing the research on who you want to connect with really, truly getting to know who they are, getting to know about them so that you can give something that's really valuable to them so often. And I'm sure you get the same experience where, where people will listen in and they'll be like, man, I really want to connect with you. And then they'll send you an email and the emails or text or phone call says, how can I add value to your life? And I hate to say it as generous of a, of a comment as that is, it's, it's not always the nicest thing in the world because you're tasking you with another freaking job. <laughs> like, well, thanks. Now I got to figure out what you're good at. Who are you? Do I trust you? You know, what the hell can I have you do? Do we need any help there? Who's in charge of that? Can human resources look over this person? Like there's 50 tasks you just gave me with that damn question versus James Altucher gave me a really good insight on this. He said, if you do your homework and really, you know, insta-stalk this person, stalk them on Facebook, read their blog, read their emails, like get yeah. to know who they are in every way you can and write down a list. What's 10 things I could add to this person's life that would be genuine, real, true value? Something they would like, something they would want, something that, that would really just rock their world and then show up and just deliver it. Don't say, hey, I'd like to get to know you by the way I did this for you. Just send it to him. Hey. I think this might be valuable for you. So I created this short list. I already did number one. Here it is. Hope you like it. Anyways, hope to get to cross paths with you in the future. That's it. Walk away. And nine times out of 10, you will get a very, very positive response. Someone will be like, what the hell? Who are you? How did you come up with this? What? Like you will have a new friend pretty quick. Now, now the value of this idea to put it in monetary terms for whatever that's worth, um, James took this concept. He wanted to connect with... Um, the stock guy, Jim Cramer, he was really into the show. And, and so he, he wrote down a list of 10 
blogs he wishes they would write because he would love to read them as a subscriber. He, he wrote down the titles, came up with an SEO friendly, you know, way he'd, he'd phrase it, came up with a, a brief outline of what it would be about, came up with the research links that he would use, up the concept for all 10 topics, emailed it in the gym and said, hey, I wish you guys would write this. Hope it's valuable. He got an email back in 10 minutes that said, hey, would you be willing to write these for our blog? He's like, no shit. Okay. He, he started becoming a writer on their team. He got hired on the spot because he did the research. He did the work. And, and not only that, while he was there, he looked around and he said, hey, what's 10 ways I'd make this place better? And he's like, you know, they're missing this little piece of technology. So he paid to have it developed, created it, took it back to Jim and said, hey, I created this app. I think it would do good for your show. What do you think? Jim landed off. He landed up buying it from James for $10 million. And it went from, I worked with this person to here's the genuine value I would add to their world without asking anything in return. He just wanted to talk to them, to getting a job with them, looking for more ways to add value. To, so finding something that would fill the gap that's needed to offering it to them just as a, hey, I thought this would be useful again to getting paid $10 million for being that, you know, of value to that team. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I think, I mean, you know, people are always talking about like networking and, and connecting and community building and all that kind of stuff. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. You really got to the core of what works, what separates you from the rest of the herd and what's going to make you stand out. And I think that this, what you just laid out is so important because so few people are actually willing to do the work to make that work. And the, I'm sure that you have this all the time where people just reach out and they, they say that exact thing. It's like, oh, you know, I, I love your work. I love what you're doing. How can I support you? And I love how you've, you've just sort of like switched it and flipped the tables on them. Because I always ask the question, how do you want to help me? That's how I always go about it. It's like, how do you want to help? <laughs> like, I don't know your gifts. I don't know you. You know, I don't like, I don't know. So how do you want to help me? And usually they're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, you should probably figure that out and then come back to True. me. And so that's, <laughs> that's always the way that I've handled it. But um, my, my other favorite question is, what are you the best in the world at? Yeah. Tell me that and then I'll tell you if we need the help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Um, well, just because we're, we're a little condensed on time, um, I absolutely loved everything you just laid out. But I wanted to end. I wanted to uh, just just ask you one final question around uh, high performance and, and, and consistent consistency. Because I consistently hear the same complaint from people who are in that position of high performing is maintaining consistency. And I know that you've worked with a lot of incredible people and you've done some incredible stuff and you've you know spoken on stages. And so I wanted to see in your opinion, your professional opinion, what actually makes people consistent in their performance? Yeah. So what makes people consistent is, is the discipline that consistently do the things that really make the difference. And, you know, I, I was talking to a client this morning, I was hanging out and, and I have family members who are high performer and I was hanging out at my dad's house the other day. And as we were walking around a new part of the house that they just built, he has every piece of equipment you could possibly imagine to keep yourself at your best from a Himalayan sea salt sauna to a, a massage room with Tesla beams, putting in healing energy to the room to a cold plunge to a cryotherapy chamber to like everything you could imagine. It's like, you know, the coolest high performance day spa on the planet. I like that thing's awesome. Like I want to live down the street just to come freaking do this stuff every day. And, and so when you look at it, it's the decision to say, hey, there's kind of two gears or for most people, three gears. There's on, meaning at the office, at work, on stage, traveling, doing the thing, grinding, making shit happen. And then there's off. And so the way I like to structure my days to stay at a kind of a high performance activity level is if you just used on and off, there's also family, which is on again, and just a different category. But let's say you're, you're a young single person, you have on and off. I'm either working or I'm off. You're on that time. There's certain ways to structure the hours. There's certain ways to organize the time, the day, the structure, where you block it out, you maximize every moment, and you get the most juice out of that squeeze you possibly can every single day. Now, when you're off, it's getting yourself in a location or place that gives you the ability to spend the time actually regenerating, whether that's using a pressure pod, whether that's using cryotherapy, whether that's using, you know, sleep 
they're not aids, but, but, but sleep strategies that help you optimize your sleep every night and get the highest quality sleep every single night. And, and, and so it's really narrowing down what are the areas that you can fine tune to stay at your absolute best. Now, the basics, I'll go through a handful of them. We actually just created a program on this for people in partnership with Udemy, the, the online training site. And, and so the basics, the absolute fundamental basics of high performance, sleep, nutrition, exercise. Now, no, most people laugh or roll their eyes when you say that, but if I take away your sleep for a week, you are jacked. And I don't care if you're Usain Bolt, Kevin Hart, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, or whoever, Zuckerberg, whoever you want to use as an example for whatever that's worth. If I took away your sleep for seven days, you would not be able to cognitively function. I mean, even two days, I could jack up your world. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, the example I use, if we were in wartime and you got captured by the enemy, and they wanted to really torture you, the first thing they would take away is your sleep. They'd stick you in a room, bright lights, hot lights, throwing buckets of water on you every so long, blaring music. They would keep you awake 24 hours a day because it's psychological and emotional torture. So the second piece is they wouldn't feed you. You know, notice in all the movies, you don't see like a goji berry protein shake bar in prison. Like they give you a bowl of slop and a piece of bread <laughs> at an extreme level and say, Guck. And, and so the concept of, you know, you want high dense nutrition to stay at your absolute best. Now, here's the other piece. There's lots yeah. of people who say, this is the meal planner. That's the meal planner. Follow this. And, and, and the God honest truth is there's lots that are valuable, but the real game changer is when it's customized to you. You take the test, you take the gut bacteria test and you take the, you know, the, the food allergen test and you take all these things and you literally customize the fuel to your body and put the right fuel at the right. And the example I always give with this, which is fun and silly, it, let's say you're one of those people in Silicon Valley, you grow your business, you sell it for the you know, bazillion dollars and you go buy the fancy Gulfstream 650 ER long range, badass jet, the coolest one on the market. And, and you know, God knows, $100 million jet or something. And, and you, you go to load up and, and you jump on and you, you, as you're running up the stairs, you say hi to the pilots and they're like, hey, here's the thing. So... Uh, the thing is, we've got about a quarter tank of fuel. We're trying to fly across the continental United States. Um, but here's what I'm thinking. I'm just going to gun it out of New York City. Like, I'm going to slam on the gas to get out of here. And then we'll probably run out of fuel somewhere around, like, Pennsylvania. But I'm just going to go ahead and coast it into California. We cool? No, no one in their right mind would say yes to that. You'd be like, are you an idiot? It doesn't work that way, fella. Like you need fuel to keep going in this kind of operation. Like, like you don't just gun it and boost it into California. That, that, that's idiotic. We're going to fall out of the sky and blow up and die. But for some reason, you talk to a busy person these days, a student, a mom, a dad, an entrepreneur, and they're like, okay, I'm not going to have time to eat my breakfast, but somewhere around lunch, I'll try to squeeze in and hammer down a meal real quick, and then I'll, I'll just coast in the dinner, and hopefully I'll have enough fuel to make it to the end of the day. Now, that's idiotic if you're flying a $100 million jet, but for some reason, we justify it every day when it comes to fueling our priceless body. And so when you look at that, nutrition the right stuff at the right time for you. Everyone's different. There is no fucking meal plan that's good for everybody all the time everywhere. You got to figure out what's the customizations your body needs yeah. to be at your best and how do you do it at the right time to get the real results. Third piece is sleep. Oh, I'm sorry, sleep, nutrition, exercise. Um, and, and, and exercise these days, people get this. They understand the difference of exercising and not. The challenge is time. How do you get a badass workout in a short period of time there's a really cool company called Steel Strong. It's an 11-minute workout once a week that grows your muscle strength and your bone density. 11 minutes once a week. It's amazing. And it's like, okay, well, what if I have, you know, more than 11 minutes once a week? Well, okay, great. Now, now you can sneak in stuff, you know, like Tabata. So 20 minutes a day, all you need is your body weight, and it's simple movement exercises that really kick your ass. And it's kind of a high-intensity training. And it's like, well, what if I have an hour? Okay, great. Now, and, and you can back it up depending on the amount of time you have. There are optimum types of exercise that can keep you functionally at your best. And, and so when we look at high performance, we look at the basics like this. And then you got to add on top of it, if, if someone's getting great sleep, great nutrition, great exercise, do they have a powerful peer group? Do they have a true support system that keeps them at their best? Someone that holds them accountable to being their best self every day. Do they have you know purpose in what they do? Emotional 
fulfillment? Are they enjoying the process? Stuff we talked about earlier. Um, are, are they happy? Are they really happy? Because, you know, if you took someone who's a high performer, but they're fucking miserable, eventually they're going to give up the habits because they're miserable. Like, do they really enjoy it? And if you look at all these fact, the emotional factors, the physical factors, they're all key elements that, that tap into high performance. And these are things we focus and track for our clients every single day. We track their sleep. We track their ability to clear their mind and meditate. We track their mindfulness, their happiness, their joy. We check all these things. Some of it is used with equipment that allows us to actually get biometric measurements from their body. Some of it's based on self-assessment, but it really truly gives us insight to how to fine tune them to keep them at their absolute best. Yeah, that's that's great, man. I think it's it's tangible, it's actionable. And I think you really address in a roundabout way this sort of like badge of honor that so many of us are trying to wear by doing as much as humanly possible on as little as humanly possible. It's, I call it, I call it the empty gas tank syndrome. Like we all know those guys or, or women who like run their car and they'll drive their car until their gas tank's almost empty and they'll like squeeze out like every single last drop of gasoline and then like, you know, roll into the gas station empty. We seem to be like, we sort of have like this like, epidemic of that happening where people are like, oh, I've done all this stuff, but I've barely eaten and I haven't slept and like, and they're like proud of it, you know? And so I love that you're addressing that by saying, here's the three things that you actually need to address in order to perform optimally for as long as possible. Yeah. At a basic level. And the other part is if you want to be someone that pushes that hard and really truly lives at the, the edge of what's possible, take all your money and invested in the equipment and the stuff that actually allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if I were to add up the equipment and all the stuff that's built out of dad's house, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment there to keep him at his, because he is one of the people that likes living on the edge like that. And, and so he has the backup necessary. It, it's literally, you know, idiotic or chaotic to be like, hey, I'm not going to do any of those things to rejuvenate myself, but I'm just going to run myself empty every day. That's dumb. Like that's, that's the jet. Yeah. That's like, Hey, I'm out of fuel, but I'm just going to gun it and try to coast across the whole country on an empty tank. No, not, it will never work. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can figure it out, fucking call me because we will save people $80 million yeah. on a jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, awesome. Well, we're going to, we're going to share the link to your book, uh, in the show notes along with your website and, uh, and the course that you, that you have up on Udemy. I checked that out. It looks pretty awesome. Um, so thanks again so much for joining me today. It was such an honor and a pleasure just to hear some of your stories and some of the great insight that you share. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. And, and for everyone listening, thank you for taking a little bit of your life and allowing a, to share it with us. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I second that. And for everybody that's listening out there today, don't forget to go to mantox.com for more blog posts, podcasts, uh, and some of the videos from our live events. And uh, don't forget to man it forward, man this podcast forward, share with a friend that you know will appreciate it. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review. And uh, until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.